Well, good evening, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. It is great to see those of you who are here back again. How many of you, this is week six. How many of you got six for six? Perfect attendance. Great. All right, Dante, do not... I mean, some of you guys have never graduated from anything, so you, this, this will be really awesome. So, to be graduates of Alpha U, otherwise known as AU. <laughs> Why did you laugh at that? Okay. Well, anyway, uh, for anybody here for the first time? First time. <laughs> Great. Well, all the way from New York, all the way from New York, Angela is here. She heard this thing was so good, she caught a flight. Um, but uh, tonight, as you guys know, I, I heard that our, our uh, CD player or recorder was on the fritz or duplicator, but I, I understand we got a new one, so tonight we'll have uh, copies of tonight's talk as well as all the previous talks if you want to get that. Or you can go to LakeviewChristianCenter.com, LakeviewChristianCenter.com slash alpha, and if you want to watch the video, which will give you the ability to see the, the PowerPoint, that's good. Also, last week I told you that part of the Alpha course is the Alpha Weekend, and that's coming up October 18th and 19th. It'll be here before we know it. I still feel like we're in April. So when I say October, it's like, oh, that's so far away. That's like, what, four days away or five, six days away? It's just, it's right around the corner. So anyway, on your table tonight, uh, don't deal with this now, but just so you know, there's an opportunity to register for the Alpha Weekend. It's Friday night, October 18th, Saturday morning, the 19th. So dinner, just like it would look like a Tuesday night on a Friday night. And then breakfast, we'll have breakfast together, a full-blown breakfast together on Saturday morning. We'll be done with that, typically about 12.15. So a highlight of the Alpha course and uh, would love for you to be a part of it. This is not something we just added on. It's the way we kind of fit all these weeks in together. So would love for you to be here. Tonight, we are... Uh, we're on an interesting topic, which we're just going to be scratching the surface of, and that is the topic of prayer. Why and how do I pray? And so that's what we'll attempt to tackle tonight in the few moments that we have together. And again, as I said, this is just going to be an introduction, but hopefully enough to bring some clarity from the Bible um, and give us an understanding of, of what, what does God think of prayer? And what's the importance of prayer to God? Well, that should maybe define what the importance of prayer is to us. And, you know, prayer is really communication. All of life is communication. Prayer is communication with God. We communicate with one another, and we're looking for better ways to communicate with one another, faster ways to communicate with one another, more resilient ways of communicating with one another. It's interesting, I... I saw an article not that long ago that was really interesting, and it talked about communication and, and, and advances in technology. And uh, this article says, after having dug to a depth of 10 feet, last year New York scientists found traces of copper wire dating back 150 years and came to the conclusion that their ancestors already had a telephone network more than 150 years years ago. Well, not to be outdone by the New Yorkers, in the weeks that followed, California scientists dug to a depth of 20 feet. And shortly thereafter, headlines in the Los Angeles Times read, 
California archaeologists have found traces of 250-year-old copper wire and have concluded that their ancestors already had an advanced high-tech communications network 250 years earlier, or rather 150 years earlier than the New Yorkers. Well, one week later, the Daily Advertiser, a local newspaper in Bunky, Louisiana, reported the following. After digging as deep as 30 feet in rice fields near Fort Island, Boudreau, a self-taught archaeologist, reported that he found absolutely nothing. Boudreau has therefore concluded that at least 300 years ago, Louisiana had already gone wireless. <laughs> well, I mean, Louisiana, I mean, we always a little bit ahead of the curve in all the wrong things we don't want to be ahead of the curve in. But, you know, the good news is that God has always been wireless. <laughs> um, and his reception is better than Verizon. God always hears us. He is there and desires for us to hear him. So let's first talk about what is prayer not? Prayer is not let's make a deal. Prayer is not I'll pray 10 prayers of this and 15 prayers of that so that I can get out of jail free. Prayer is not my ability to do things to get God to hear me. That is meology. That is BVM currency. That is blessed vending machine currency. And that is not what the Bible defines prayer as. Uh, prayer is not my thinking of things I can do to get God to do the things I think I want him to do or things I believe I don't want him to do. And... Uh, that type of prayer, if you think about it, that is transactional. That is contractual. That is not necessarily relational. Now, what is prayer? Well, if what the Bible tells us is true, prayer is really the most important activity of our lives. It is conversation with the God who created all things. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And just as I, we talked about last week, there are stereotypes that keep us outside the pages of the Bible. There are stereotypes of prayer that keep us from communicating biblically. And biblical prayer is that which is proper, personal, spontaneous, and intimate communication with God. And when I say proper, I don't mean proper. I don't mean proper in the sense in which it's very altogether. I mean, it's biblically proper. It's how the Bible tells us we properly pray. And so the Bible is instrumental in teaching us what prayer is, what communicating with God is, and what it is not. Now, what I want to do is I, I, I came across this foreword in a book by Tim Keller. And uh, the... The book is, um, let's see if I can find this here. I need to get a copy of this. I thought I had a copy of it. I, um, the book is called uh, The Prayer of People. Can I have an extra copy here? So, okay, everybody, <laughs> thank you so much. I got it. So I want us to just look at this together, and I want you to grab your pen, if you will, because I want you to, to write with me here just some things where those asterisks are. Okay, 
So grab your pen. Where that asterisk is, I want you just to write this. Because this is going to, what, what Tim Keller does for us in this book, uh, Prayers of the People, in his foreword, just kind of breaks prayer down into three sections. And, and I, I thought this would, would be important for us to look at tonight. So next to this asterisk, write, uh, well, just write this. Let me get it up here. We can get off the menu, okay? Um, okay, just write God in me. And you can just read this with me. There is nothing more important than prayer. You can't know God without prayer. You can know a lot about him, of course, but you can't know God personally without a prayer life. You can't truly know yourself without prayer. It is only in the light of God's presence that you can finally know your heart as it is. So what Keller is doing is he's taking from the scripture and saying, do you want to know yourself? Get to know God. How do I get to know God? I communicate with him. The reading his word, there's many different ways of communicating with him. But he's saying that you will know you truly as you know him truly. So first and foremost, prayer is about God and me. Secondly, it's about God, others and me. It's about God and how he interacts with me in my relationship with others. Keller writes, you can't really love other people as well without prayer. If you've started praying regularly for someone and then you meet him or her, you will see how much more engaged your heart is. Love may lead you to pray, but then prayer profoundly deepens and enhances love. You know what's very difficult to do? hate someone you're praying for. So if you want to continue to hate them, do not pray for them. It will mess you up. But if you want to begin to see your attitude towards someone or someone's change, with the exception of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, <laughs> pray for them. Pray for them. I have found that in my own life. That the more I talk to God about my attitude toward them and I begin to see God's attitude toward me in spite of me it begins to change the way I feel about them that's what prayer does oh, I'm sorry I didn't do that if you wanted to look up there third God as it pertains to life and death and me God and life and death and me finally you can't really get through the troubles, disappointments, and tragedies of life without prayer. This is the message of one of the most famous passages in the Bible, Psalm 23. You know that one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We will only walk through the dark valleys without fear if we know his presence in prayer. Suffering usually makes you more anxious, yeah, more hardened and cynical, but through prayer... It can make you wiser, deeper, kinder, and even more joyful. If, if Dr. Keller would allow me, I would say, through prayer, God can make me wiser, deeper, kinder, and even more joyful. Because the more I communicate with God, the more I am giving him the opportunity to change the way I communicate because it changes the way I feel and believe and express 
what life truly, truly is. So, prayer is uh, two-way communication. Let me get past. I'm a little bit behind. Forgive me. Prayer is really two-way communication. It is talking, which I got no problem with typically, uh, and listening. Okay, that's, that's the problem. You know, I have a list many times that I want to pour out to God, but I don't, that, it's like I've, you know, not what, today everything is you call Walmart and they will deliver your groceries. You just give them a list and they give you what you want. Uh, I guess there are, Whole Foods is doing that now, I understand. There's lots of, lots of things. You just call Uber Eats. They bring you what you want. I mean, it's just, that's it. And, and that's what God does, right? You just tell him what you want and he delivers. Don't you wish? <laughs> Actually, you probably don't. There's a guy named Jack Taylor that said, he says, I think I'm more grateful for the prayers God said no to than I am for the ones he actually answered because he had said yes to most of my prayers that have ruined me. And that, if you think about it, that may very well be true. You could have married that man. You could have married that woman. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so prayer is two-way conversation. And here's how God, God speaks directly to us. And he speaks directly to us through many different ways. One, uh, through our senses. Just through the conscience and the senses that he's given us. Two, through others. He puts people in our lives that give us direction. Every one of these I can say yes. I can tell you examples. Uh, senses through others. Circumstances. And primarily through the Bible. It is amazing the more I get to know God through his word, the more he communicates to me. And the more he kind of puts into my heart the treasure of his word. And to where... I find myself more malleable and softer to listen to what he has to say. And so the main reason, the, the, the why of prayer is that he wants us to know him. If you were here last week, I said, if you could take the Bible and boil it down into one word, I believe it would be, as it pertained to God, relationships. That the Bible is about revealing God's Love for a fallen world. That's what it communicates from Genesis to Revelation. Why? How do we know that? Why would we believe that? Well, if what the Bible says is true, a scripture that many of us have heard, maybe some of us have memorized, out of the Gospel of John, the third chapter, the 16th verse, for God so loved the world, and if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I encourage you to remove the corporate the world and put your name there for God so loved Karen that he gave his son that God so loved Frank that he gave his son that if I believe in him I would not be forever separated from him but would have eternal life you see so God is the one who speaks relationally because he initiates he is the one who initiates you know look if they're supernatural and natural higher and lower, it is incumbent upon the supernatural to initiate communication to the lower because the lower will never understand it or be able to reach that supernatural level on their own. And so what the scripture tells us is that God so loved us and understood our impossible situation that he came, sent his son to be the payment for our rebellion against him. So 
Jesus came to us so that we could come to him. I mean, I've, I've, I've given you this scripture many times here. But this is this, Jesus said, come to me. Now, why would you come to him? Well, he says, come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're overwhelmed, and I will give you rest. Okay? This, this is what he says. This is part of prayer. It's not just necessarily articulating the way you feel all the time. Sometimes it's just coming and being there. And being quiet. That, that I would argue is prayer as well. That is communicating with God. Because he wants us to. Christ came to us so that we could come to him. Because without his sacrifice, we would never come to him. Much less be able to come to him. Because Jesus made the way for us. And look, and just like we, we get to know one another by being together with one another. I mean, is that not how we get to know one another? We spend time with one another. We get to know one another. We communicate with one another. So it is with God. We are the image of God. We are God imagers. So the Bible tells us, let's just a couple of mechanics here about this in, in our book on page 30. The Bible tells us, and this is interesting. I, I find this is interesting. The, the Bible tells us that prayer is addressed to God. It's addressed directly to God. It's not directed to the maid, the uncle, you know, the teacher. Prayer is always addressed to God. How do I know that? I'll just know it because that's what Jesus, Jesus said. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 6. And I think this is so cool. But when you pray, now look at this for a moment. Don't look at this. Try not to look at this religiously. If you can just for a moment just wipe the board of your religious mind away. Like you never heard this before. And think of this. If somebody's telling you to go into your room, to close the door, and communicate, would, would, that would be a sign of intimacy, would it not? That would be a desire to be with you and for you to be with them. So when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen and your and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you now i think what's that reward okay this is all i have to do to get that new car i will i'll find a room with a door okay i just got to get these directions right i'll close the door I'll, I'll pray to somebody that I can't see, then I'll get my car. And that, that you don't believe that. It's, it's why? Because it hasn't worked, and that's why it hasn't worked. If you, many of you have done that, and it didn't work. But what is the reward? Well, I would, I would argue that the reward is something greater than we can imagine. Um... I don't, I don't know what you grew up like. I don't have any idea what your, your family life was like. Hopefully it was good. But it's interesting that God is, it wants us to address him as father. Now, let me just clarify for a moment. If you were here, you go, why is this guy pulling out two styrofoam cups uh, with a C and an A on it? Well, 
This, this represents being in Christ, and this represents being in Adam. And if you weren't here, and this was really confusing to you, just pay no attention, and then at the table after, time afterwards, you can talk about this. But it says that every one of us, because of our father Adam, was born in sin. We were born rebellious to God. And you know what? There's plenty of evidence to prove that, isn't there? Okay, I'm not talking about some crazy religious statement. There's plenty of evidence that I want what I want when I want it, and the heck with you, whether I'm three years old or 83 years old. We do that all the time. We cut people off in traffic, right? We step in line. We cheat. We steal. Or if we can't get away with it, we wish we could, and then we fantasize about it. And that's even, God said that's even got you. You know, the, 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 you know, thought monitor, if you're around for the thought monitor, that's always fun. So we're separated from God. Now, if I am in Adam, if I have not surrendered my life to Christ, if I've rejected Christ either passively or actively, I am still in Adam. And guess who is not my father? God is not my father. If what the Bible says is true, again, don't believe a word I'm saying. Check this out. But I am still in Adam. My lineage is of that of being separated from God because I am still of my father Adam. That's again the deal about being born again. I have to be I have to die to being born in Adam and I have to come alive to being born into Christ. And when God by his grace reveals to me the truth and I humble myself and realize I need a savior God places me into Christ and I become a new creation and God becomes then my father. Again, that's, you, you can accept that or not. That's between you and Adam or God or Christ or whomever else, but, or your table facilitator. But that's what the Bible says. So when Jesus says, and pray to your father who is unseen, what he's talking about have, have you surrendered? Have, have, you trusted Christ? have you trusted me? That's how God becomes your father. The reward is this. I get to know my father more. Did you know your earthly father much growing up? Maybe you did. I hope you did. Or maybe the way you know him, you hope you didn't know him. I don't know. But this word father is such a powerful word that God would say to us, Know me as father. Know me as a father maybe that you never had. Maybe know you as a father that never uh, applauded you or encouraged you. Know me as the father that loves you even if you get everything wrong. Come to me. You know, it's interesting. Before Jesus ever did a thing in terms of ministry, he gets baptized. He comes out of the water. And what do you hear from heaven? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What had he done? In the ministry, he hadn't even begun yet. See, God is well pleased in those who become his children because they've become his children. And that is something that we need to see. I mean, maybe the father figures that you and I have don't allow us naturally to have a picture of a father that loves us. But God wants us to address him as father. Matter of fact, the Greek word is actually Abba, which is like dad or daddy. And the reward is getting to know this God, now our father, 
who loves us in spite of us, who loves us because he came to us and by his grace we came to him and got unplugged from being in Adam and got plugged into being in Christ, no longer in death, now in life. So, so the Bible tells us that prayer is addressed to God. It's addressed to God. Um, and I, I think that's phenomenal, a tremendous act of interest. It also tells us, the Bible tells us that prayer is through the Son. Now, look at this scripture, and if you didn't know anything, again, I, I, it's so hard for us to, uh, to erase, I'm not asking you to erase necessarily because it's wrong, but we just have, we come in with preconceived notions. And this is what the Apostle Paul says to the church in this city of Ephesus in present-day Turkey. He says, for through him, that is Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile have access to whom? To the Father, to Dad, through the Spirit. Now, think about this for a minute. You and I have access to God who created all things, who if we're in Christ, we can call him Dad. Now, we have access to... So, Think about this for a minute. Let's say you went to work. What's the largest corporation in the world now? Is, is Amazon? Let's just say it's Amazon. Okay. Jeff Bezos is the, or is it Bozos or Bezos? Is Bezos? I, I just want to get it right. Okay. Let's say Jeff Bezos, founder, chief executive officer of Amazon, the largest company in the world, let's say, or one of the largest hires you as a mail clerk, okay? An M-A-I-L clerk, a mail clerk. And he actually hired you. He hired you. He brought you on board. And, and he says to you, Mark, um, look, I know you've got layers of bureaucracy and everything else. And you could go to your supervisor or your manager or the superintendent or the director or the vice president or the partner. I don't want you to do that. Whenever you need me, just come knock on my door. You have access to me. Now, if you're a lowly mail clerk and you have desired access to the CEO and founder of the largest corporation in the world, how would you feel about that? For through Jesus, what he did and our acceptance of it, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. What is Paul telling us by the Holy Spirit? Go directly to the Father. Don't stop with the manager. Don't stop with the supervisor, the superintendent. Go directly to the Father. Did you hear what I said? Through any denominational possibility of thinking, wait a minute. Really? Yeah. And God does not consider you a male clerk or a female male clerk. You're his boy. You're his girl. And we have access to him. God, the Father, because of Jesus Christ. I'm just running. There's one God. There's one mediator between man and God. The man Christ Jesus See, Jesus is the one and only way we have access to God. And the scripture tells me what, if I've received Christ, I have access. 
If I've rejected Christ, I do not have access. The scripture could not be more clear. And so we have that access through Jesus Christ to God. Another, we, so we see the Father's involved, we see the Son is involved, we see the Holy Spirit is involved. We're not going to, don't have time to talk about the Trinity here, but we pray in the Spirit. In the same way, Paul writes to the church at Rome, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Have you ever been here? We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I am so grateful for that. If that is true, what that's telling me is when I don't know how to pray, when I don't know what to pray, God the Holy Spirit is praying for me in groanings that are too deep for words. Do you see the intimacy here? God says, shut the door, go into your room, come be with me. Why? Because I want to be with you. And Jesus is the one that made access to us. And the Spirit is the one that even shows us, even when we don't know how to pray, He knows what we should be praying for. I mean, prayer, communicating with God, is an amazingly intimate, intimate experience that we could experience all day long, all the time. And so prayer is for the purpose of communicating with God, which results in, a, in developing a deeper relationship with him. Because how can we know anything about anyone if not for conversation or communication or just hanging out? But prayer is not dialogue with just, with just anyone. Prayer is not dialogue with just anyone. I mean, it's not like, I mean, how many of you guys still have your landline, your land phone lines? I still have my land phone line. Okay, very few of you are, are spending that kind of money. Let me ask this question. Um, do, you, do you get, do you, do you have that landline? Do you ever get any phone calls on that landline except salespeople or the IRS telling you they're about to send you to jail forever? <laughs> no, we still, we still have the landline for some reason. So, you know, typically, you know, you get the call, it's interrupting dinner, whatever. But let me ask you this question. Imagine if tonight... The President of the United States called you on your phone. <laughs> Could you just hang on for just one second? He does this all the time. Yes, Mr. President. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of a difficult time right now. An alpha course? Do you think that could stop the impeachment proceedings? <laughs> well, um, could, could I just get back with you? Um, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, yes, sir. Yeah. yeah if, if Ivanka wants to stay at the house, that, and that is that okay if she comes in? Is that, okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll set a date for the Alpha course for the Congress. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. He just does that all the time. Um, okay. It wasn't really. If you, it, it wasn't really. Um, but imagine that. I mean, you could hate that man's guts or love him dearly. But if you, even if you hated him, 
He's the president of the United States of America, and he called you. It wasn't a misdial. It wasn't a butt dial. He actually <laughs> called you. I mean, who would you not tell? I got a call from the president of the United States, and he wasn't asking for money. He just wanted to talk to me. He wanted to get to know me. Uh, the God of all creation has come to us because he loves us. How amazing is that, that he would want to communicate in spite of us, with us. See, this, this, is, this is who the Bible tells us he is. If God himself is calling. I mean, would you turn down a call from God? Uh, what if he is calling? What if he is calling? Uh, I contend, I would contend, I would contend that he is calling, that he is initiating a call. The question is whether or not we will answer, uh, because there's a time when he will not call again. I mean, I, 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 you know, I think about this this alpha thing and the six weeks you've been doing this, many of you, and wonder if a friend or a relative asked you what you've been doing these last six weeks on a Tuesday night. Um, well, I've been going to this dinner, and I found out that God is trying to get in touch with me. <laughs> they would institutionalize you. <laughs> but if what the Bible says is true, whether you've been here one week or six weeks, you've been on the planet a lot longer than one week or six weeks. And... I would argue that God has been ringing your number for a while. He has been ringing your number for a while. You know, it's interesting that even, even the name of God, the name of Jesus speaks, speaks communication to us. Uh, look at John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The, pardon me, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he said, who's the Word? Well, Jesus is the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So even the name is the Word. He wants you and me to, to know him. And then, I love this. Here's Jesus. This is Jesus' prayer. The night before he is going to be crucified, handed over, beaten, crushed, and crucified. He's praying to his father. He's communicating to his father. And, and in the midst of that, he says, this is eternal life. That you know. Now, if I would have had that, that you know what? That you know what? That you know the Ten Commandments? That you know all the rules? That you, that you know what to do and what not to do? This is what Jesus says. This is eternal life. Now, again, eternal life is not something, okay? Eternal life is someone because when we look at eternal life, well, life is that which is living. And eternal life is that which lives eternally, okay? So he says eternal life is this. Eternal life is knowing the Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent, 
Well, again, how do you get to know someone? You get to know someone by being with that someone. You get to know that someone by being with others that know that someone. You get to know that someone by reading things that pertain to that someone. You get to know that someone sometimes just by being still with that someone. And Jesus says eternal life is knowing dad and knowing him. It's knowing the father and knowing him. So how do we know anybody? I was, I was uh, talking tonight to uh, Forrest and Diane Smith. We're going to change their last name to Smith so nobody knows who they are. Um, and I'm confident you guys don't mind my doing this, right? Oh, no. Okay. So Forrest, I want you to take this because I don't trust your wife with the microphone. Um, or maybe I'll give it to her in just a minute. But Forrest, um, how, you told me how long you've been married to this woman. 52 years. Did you guys see that? 52 years. Otherwise known as a half a century and two years. Now, let me just ask you a question. Um, how long have you known her? How many 55. years do you think? 55 years? So it took three years to convince her to... to had to grow up. You had to grow Oh, that's right. You were, you were 15. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that, today, today you get in trouble with that, but not, not then. Not then. Not then. I mean, that was... No worries. Okay. So... Um, so, how much did you uh, know her 57 uh, years ago? Not much. Why not? I didn't know her. You didn't know her, right. So, how much, did, uh, how much did you know her 55 years ago? A little bit more. A little bit more, 52 years ago. Enough to say... Yes. Right, yeah, okay. And then, <laughs> now, the more you've known her, would you say the more you've... Trusted her? Yes. Okay, so the more you got to know her, the more you trusted her. You know what the bottom line is? Well, I, I don't know, but if it's, if it's, uh, this, is, this is a G-rated class, so go ahead. Go, go ahead. When you make the decision that this is who you want, yeah. you do whatever it takes. You do whatever, you, so you did whatever it took. And when I realized who Jesus was, I did uh -huh. whatever it took. That's, that's good. And then you realize who Diane was, and then you still did whatever it took, right? Okay. So, so the more you knew her, the more you trusted her. And the more you trusted her, the more you did what? The more you loved her. Loved her, yes. And the more you loved her, would you say the more or less you wanted to serve her? More. Right. Now, did you serve her because she was, you were afraid she was going to leave you if you didn't serve her? No. No. You served because you loved her. So the more you knew her... The more you trusted her. Right. The more you trust her. Would you say the same, Diane? Is this to be true? Okay. So the more you knew her, the more you spent time together, the more you trusted one another, the more you loved one another, and the more you desired to serve one another. And the more you served one another, did you, did you find that that allowed you then to know one another more and then yes. trust one another more and love one another more and serve one another more? And that's gone all the way for 52 years and will go on until death more. do you part. Hopefully 52 years. I'm all about that. I mean, if you've seen The Notebook, that's how I want Annette and me to go, right? Yeah. Same time, same bed, same place. All right, now I, my, this is jumping back at me, so give me that now, and let's everyone thank Forrest and Diane for being so helpful. That was easy. Thank you. Thank you. So um, that, you know, that happens really for, 
for a lot of couples. It doesn't happen for all couples necessarily. Um, yeah, this is not, not the happiest couple ever. Um, so it's, it's really kind of sad, but th this, this couple was in, um, they, they decided to go to Jerusalem. They thought they'd go to Jerusalem, go to Israel, and they were in Jerusalem when tragically, tragically the, the gentleman's wife passed away. And um, they got an undertaker from, from Jerusalem, and the, and the, under, the Jerusalem undertaker said, I'm, sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, and because he's trying to figure out how much it's going to cost me. And, he, and, and the undertaker says to him, sir, um, you could get your wife buried here in the Holy Land. And it would just be beautiful. He said, how much would that cost me? He said, that probably cost you about 300 American dollars. He said, okay. He said, well, how much would it cost to take her back to the United States? Uh, that's probably going to be about $15,000. He said, Phew. so he thought about it for a minute. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and ship her back to the United States, even though I could have her buried here in Jerusalem. Um, he said, sir, why would you do that? I mean, this is only $300. You're going to spend $15,000. Why would you do that? He said, well, a long time ago, there's a man that died here. And three days later, he rose from the grave. <laughs> he said... I just, I just can't take that chance. So, so anyway, not, not all have a happy, happy ending. Um, okay. So, so, it, you know, if you were here a few weeks ago, you heard me talk about one, what, what it means to, to, uh, to trust Christ. One of the things we talked about, Annette and me standing before a minister, and, and we were supposed to exchange vows, and the minister says, do you take Annette to be your wife? And I say, well, she's, you know, she's beautiful. And he says, that's great. We all agree she's beautiful. Uh, but do you take her to be your wife? I said, well, she's a great cook. We'll never go hungry. And he says, that's great. But do you take her to be your wife? And I said, her dad's rich. The day he kicks, we're going to be in good shape. Um, you see, I can believe all the right things about her, but never say I do. And there are many of us in religion, even Christian religion, that we believe maybe all the right things about Jesus. We go to church. We say our prayers. We try to do good things. We hope we die on a good day. But we've never said, I do. We've never put 100% of our trust in him to where I belong to him and he belongs to me. Because I shared with you that 2,000 years ago, as Jesus hanged there from a cross, if you were there, you just put yourself there, as he was dying, he would have looked you square in the face through the blood pouring down his forehead and into his eyes, and he would have said before he died, I do. He's just waiting for you and me to fully give ourselves to him. So, but let's imagine that Annette and I have just said, I do. We, we get into, we, we go down the aisle, uh, back out of the back of the church where there's two limousines. 
These two limousines, strangely enough, are pointed in different directions. And we get in, they both have sunroofs, and we pop our heads out of the sunroofs. And Annette's in one, and I'm in the other one. And as the limos drive off in opposite directions, we just wave to one another, going, That was just, that was a beautiful ceremony. I can't wait to get the pictures, but I hope to see you again sometime. That was really nice. I felt it, felt good. The, re the, re the reception meal was awesome. Now, that's insane because I do is just the beginning of the rest of our lives. See, the problem why, with most couples is that once they say, I do, they're done on working on what it takes to make a marriage work. You know, at, at every wedding, there's a funeral. You know that, right? At every wedding, there's a funeral. Because when those two people stand there single and say, I do, they're no longer two different people. There's a death to singleness. And life comes to being bound together. That's basically what happens in terms of coming into a relationship with Jesus. We die to being in Adam. And we come, become alive to being in Christ. We're no longer bound to Adam. We die to death. And we come alive to eternal life that is in Christ. Because Christ is eternal life. And that is who God wants us to know. So, okay. So when do I find time to pray? I mean, I'm a busy man. Maybe you're a busy woman. Well, I'm sure you are. Well, let's just look at just one quick scripture that we, we receive from the Lord. This is what the gospel of Mark, what Mark tells us in his gospel. He says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off early to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, if it doesn't happen first thing in the morning for most of us, we're toast, right? I mean, the ball is, I mean, you get out of bed and everything is like out of bed and then rolling downhill faster and faster and faster. See, what Jesus knew was he was going to be a busy man when everybody woke up. And one of the great ways to just be quiet with God is very early in the morning. Grab a Bible. Grab a prayer list that you've put together. Just be with him. Get, grab the Bible and read some of the Psalms. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But why pray? Because there are great rewards when we pray. And as I said, the greatest of those rewards is revelation of God. There's, there's joy. Until now, Jesus says, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. And you and I know that no amount of earthly possessions will ever make our joy full. It may give us temporary happiness, but it will never make our joy full. The only way to know fullness of joy is to know the one who is fullness of joy. So what a great reason to, the more I experience him, the great reason to be with him is that I experience the God who is joy. Another example is, is peace. Just another example. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, do not be anxious. Another translation would say, do not be full of care 
about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that, look at what it does, which passes all understanding. It's beyond reason. It passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ. I, I like to just see a picture of that guard just being a garrison, a guard around your, your what does it say, your hearts, your emotions, and your minds, your thinking. The peace of God as will, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. But what do you do? In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell him, talk to your dad. Talk to your father. Why? Because if you're in Christ, it doesn't make any sense not to. It makes as much sense to not do that as it would be if your father was present to not go to him if you had a need, whatever it may have been. See, the beauty of, the beauty of communication with God, once I am in Christ, is that I grow to know him more. And now come to him as his son, as my kids did with me. That's a beautiful thing. They come because they trust me, because they know they need me, but they also come just to be with me because they love me. See, my problem, I had absolutely no idea of that. I love my dad dearly. But I did not see that from my earthly father. I wouldn't want any other earthly dad. But that was not modeled to him and was not modeled to me. So I had a picture of a God that was very, I will love you if, and I will not if not. And I carry that with me even to this day as I struggle to know this heavenly father that wants me to love him as he loves me. I, had, I really had no idea, really, that this God who made me loved me unconditionally and died to prove it and desired me and couldn't have done more than what he did. And I'm so grateful, though I did not answer four years, eventually I pick up the phone, so to speak, and said, I need you more than I ever knew I needed you. And you love me more than I could imagine that you love me. I see it now. So on page 31, as I have to hurry here, does God always answer prayer? Yes, he does. Uh, he answers it yes. He answers it not now. He answers it no. I have something better for you. And he says, also, you got to be out of your freaking mind if you think I'm going to answer that prayer. See, what I've found is this, is that when I ask God for things, which we should do, the Bible tells us to, we're going to get to that in a quick second, um, but I've not always found that God changes things. You've heard prayer changes things? Well, prayer may not always change the circumstances, but I have found when prayer, when I am seriously desiring to know God, when I pray, when I communicate with God, when I'm there with Him, he changes me. And typically, I'm the thing that needs to be changed most. And sometimes the difficulties that we want to get out of are the very circumstances that God orchestrated, very orchestrated those circumstances for the very reason to get me to say, the phone's ringing, pick up the phone. It's me. 
So, and I'm sure tonight at your tables with your guests, with your hosts, you can, you can have some fun time talking to them about that. I love what Stott, John Stott says. He says, if God says no, the requests are either not good in themselves or not good for us or for others, directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately. And the more we get to know him not the religious version of him, but the him that is in the Bible, the more beautiful he is. And so, you know, one of the ways, too, is, is just God has given us scripture to pray back to him. Now, I want to get you to do this real quick. If you've got your Bible, I'm, uh, I want you to turn to page 506. Just turn to 506 in your, it's Psalm 23 if you don't have a Bible. But I just want to just give you an example. The Psalms, by the way. The Psalms are songs. They're, they're, they're songs that are also prayers, and I would encourage you to look through them. And you can even Google what Psalms speak to suffering, what Psalms speak to loneliness, what Psalms speak to frustration. That would be an easy way to find out. You could Google it, Bing it, Yahoo it, whatever. But, but I would encourage you to Take scripture and turn it into a prayer. For example, you've always, you, we've heard this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Well, I would encourage us to take this, and I've done this, and I love doing this, and just make it a prayer to God. Make it communication with him. And just say this, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. Or you could even say it this way. Lord, you're my shepherd, but I am wanting. I need you to help me lie down in green pastures because I feel like I'm in the midst of a Los Angeles traffic jam. Lord, lead me beside still waters. I feel like I am underneath Niagara Falls. Just be real with him. Why not? Because he knows already what you're going through. He knows how you feel. Lord, restore my soul. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake so I get to know you more. And Lord, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Or you could say, Lord, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death and I am scared spitless. Even though you're with me, it doesn't feel like you're here but your word says your rod and your staff are there and they, they comfort me and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I am starving to death. Really, Lord, help me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's never an empty cup. Lord, surely goodness and mercy you say is going to follow me all the days of my life. Because I do, no matter how I feel, I want to dwell in your house, God, forever. See, just take scripture and Pray it back to him. And let him know how you and I feel. And there's one scripture after another we could do that with. Some of the cool, really great scriptures of, on prayer are some of Paul's, the Apostle Paul's prayers to the church, to the churches in Ephesus, uh, Colos, and Philippi. But you know, the, the prayer that we really know more than anyone, the one that we probably repeated more than anyone is what we call the Our Father, right? Now, some of us had contests as to how quickly we could pray the Our Father. Um, 
How many times, how quickly we could do that? And I'm not saying that to make fun or say something is right or wrong, but can you imagine talking to a human being the way we would say the Our Father to someone with us? I mean, that, that really is not much communication. That's checklist meology. That's, that's what I was. I was a checklist meologist. But let's look at the Our Father in a different way. Um, let's just, let's look at the Our Father as a table of contents, uh, as a model, as an outline of prayer, and not just something we go through, because probably every one of us in this room have it memorized. We pr could speak in our sleep and get it right. But this is what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, pray this way, or pray like this. He didn't say you can't pray it exactly, but he said, pray like this. Pray this way. Get to know Father. Father. Okay, so let's just take a look at this. So, prayer, table of contents. Here's chapter one. You're writing now. You get to write this. Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, be your name. And you can fill in the blanks. However you want. Concentrate on Father, that you are now His child and He is your Father. The Bible is wrought with words of holy, how God holy, how holy God is in His holiness. See? So just, you could just take time doing that. Um, your kingdom come. Now what is a kingdom? A kingdom is where there is a, a ruler. A ruler. Someone who determines what is, right? If the king over his kingdom determines who he's, who, what he gets and what he doesn't get. Okay? He says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come where? Well, the Bible talks about when we receive Christ, God's kingdom comes into us. And the more we get to know him, his kingdom is expressed through us. Your kingdom come, that's what God is saying. It declares that you are Full authority over my life. Come and take over this life that I am progressively realizing I am not in control of and not doing such a great job with. I want you to be king over this kingdom. It says your will be done. Chapter 3, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, your will be done on earth, and I would say in me, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Placing God's will above mine in all things. Above my relationship with my wife, my business, alpha, church, other relationships. God, I want your will to be done in me above everything else. I trust you because I've gotten to know you. I'm trusting you more, and I'm loving you more, and I'm desiring to serve you more. Because what you've given me, I want to give to others. Chapter 4. Give us this day our daily bread. What do you need? Ask him. James says you have not because you ask not. God wants us to come to him. Our father wants us to come to him. I wanted my kids to come to me. Maybe I also didn't, always didn't want what they wanted to come to me with, but I did want my kids to come to me. I loved them. I wanted to know their needs. So God desires us to come to him, dependent upon him in every way. 
Oh gosh. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How do you like that? Do you want God to forgive you the way you forgive everybody else? <laughs> I don't think so. Not everybody. Father, who is there on this planet that I am harboring ill will toward? That's a difficult thing. Now, just take a second real quick. Think of the worst thing, the worst thing you've ever done. Think of the worst thing that you have ever done. All right, Joey, you go ahead. You go first. <laughs> no, it's you, it's you Joe. Um, uh, I can tell you something you've done that's worse. Something that I've done that's worse. And you know what that is? You crucified the Son of God. I crucified the Son of God. It was my sin that drove him from heaven so that I could be forgiven and have God as my father and others as my brothers and sisters and heaven as my home the second after my heart stops. If, that's, if the Bible is true, that's the promise. But if I have been forgiven that... What can I not forgive? What can I not forgive if I have been forgiven so completely forever? Even the things I'm yet to do, according to the Bible, are already forgiven. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, Lord, and I know that you don't, but I often lead myself into temptation and I fall into a big fat trap. Deliver me from evil or deliver me from the evil one. We'll talk about that next week. How can I resist evil is our topic for next week. But you know, the greatest, most important prayer is the one of surrender to Jesus Christ. The one of saying, I do. And I, and I just want to encourage you again tonight. If, if you were here curious or convinced challenge, just ask God. Tonight you may say, I don't believe in God. Well, I respect that. But would you be so brave or maybe you would think foolish to say, okay, God, I don't believe in you. But if you're there, I want to get to know you. I don't want to believe a lie. You want to believe a lie? I don't want to believe a lie. But if you're there, I want to see it. And I believe if you mean that with a humble heart, he will answer that prayer 100% of the time. Try it. Find out. Come back and tell me I was wrong. I don't think he will. But here's the thing. I got to stop. Have you considered that Alpha may be the connection, the phone line, that God has chosen to communicate with you his love and desire for you to know him, to get in the wheelbarrow, to receive the gift, to say, I do. I just want to encourage you to consider that. Uh, I am so late. Um, all right. We're going to stop now. Um, typically, I would have Ronald Laitano come up and, uh, and lead us in a song. Because singing is 
a part of communicating to God. It's part of prayer, but I have gone so late tonight. Ronald, forgive me. Thank you for being ready. Unless, unless you guys want to just give Ronald a round. Uh, anyway, uh, Ronald is one of the pastors here, Ronald Laitano. He leads the, the Lakeview Christian Center Choir and uh, many other things around here. And uh, I am sorry for going so long. But uh, there's a song that I thought would be appropriate for tonight because, again, a way to communicate with God is through singing. Now, tonight, you may want to sing this. You may just want to listen but what I would encourage you to do, whether you're just quiet, just kind of sing it to yourself. The person next to you would be very grateful that you did that. Um, but the Bible talks about making a joyful noise. He gave some of us great voices. He gave others of us not so great voices. But he hears the heart. And so as we sing this song, look at the words and let them be your prayer. Okay? All right. And all I once held dear Built my life upon All this world reveres And wars to own All I once thought gain I have counted loss Spent and worthless now Compared to this Knowing you, Jesus Knowing you There is no greater thing You're my all, you're the best You're my joy, my righteousness and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn. All surpassing gift of righteousness, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. And knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you.
test one, two. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. If you're, if you're looking ahead to next week, um, we are in session uh, 12, How Can I Resist Evil? If you want to get a, a head start on that, a very interesting week we will have together next week. Hope you'll come back next week. Bring folks, even if they hadn't been here for the first time, bring folks next week to be with you. We greatly appreciate you, all of you being here. Let's take a quick break, and I hope to see you next week.